Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with the Skull Man and the human healer known as Bill McWright. Enjoy. What's up, dude? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you been? Pretty good. Pretty well. Yeah, what's um, happened between uh, now and then? It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been over a decade, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> crazy. I, I don't know. I moved to Los Angeles at some point during all of that. Yeah, yeah. And been here for like that long almost yeah and you dig it um sometimes I'm not, why did you like, why did you end up there like how did you decide to move from philly to there um i had like one of my like super good friends from from like college and stuff uh was out here and doing a gallery and like pretty well connected with like kind of like the stuff I was into at the time. Um, and like, he just like encouraged me to move out here and I got a job doing art handling, which is not advisable. Yes. <laughs> Do you still pursue the gallery life? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a show that's going to be in my buddy's gallery. That's like private tattoo studio slash gallery. And did you um, ever go that route with the tattooing? You ever take that pass? Not in any way that like anyone will encourage um, yeah. <laughs> me. Like me and Chris used to like figure out how to build little uh, machines like in the studio and give each other terrible tattoos that, got me yelled at by his uh now wife right 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know uh, i wonder if you could explain to people i don't know if you view space 1026 like this but the magic that was space 1026 yeah i mean i i feel like i came into that like i saw an article in some magazine like a long time ago that I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then like, just like check that off. And like, I want to check that out one day. And that was like when I lived in South Carolina and was just kind of like, didn't know what I was doing at all. Right. Like early, early twenties. Um, you were a printmaker though, right? Yeah. 
and and then I like went to grad school in New York and um, moved to Philly after that because New York is not my vibe. Right, right. And then you ended up immediately at Space Ten Twenty Six. It seemed like a natural place for any printmaker to to roll it, through. It was pretty quick. Like I had I had been like going to Philly a fair amount and like made some friends within like that community. Um, and when I, when I moved to Philly, yeah, it was maybe a, a few months into being there that I moved into a studio at 1026. Yeah. I mean, I just remember it as a pretty unique. Dude, it is magic. Like, yeah, yeah. um, it was like actual, like kind of I, like I don't think anybody would have called themselves an anarchist, but it was pretty much like the anarchist collective because it was all like sure cons- consensus decision making and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I remember like it seemed like even like collecting rent was a difficult task, but it got done. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and like you know like we did stuff to like make sure that rent got paid, but like everybody would eventually like pony up too. Yeah. No, I mean, I I definitely miss the golden era, but I could tell it was something very unique and special. And I think I assumed stuff like that was all over the place, especially I moved to Oakland uh, Mm -hmm. right after Philly. And I kind of, I think I took for granted how unique that kind of environment was because ultimately I never found another thing similar to it. Yeah, I I can't think of anything like on the same level. Like, I think there's like probably some like collectively run studios and some like more like democratic gallery spaces, but, um, I think that had like such a weird combination of it. And like, it was kind of like a weird collection of like ragtag crew, you know? Yeah. But very high quality ragtag, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, like I, I think I was like, also just like love Ben Woodward's stuff from like the first time I saw it. And then like, getting to know him and like he's like the big homie now um but like that dude cuts like ruby lith and stuff like that and it's like the i feel like space kind of like had a lot of that like doing like this very like old like craft or using like sort of bootleg means to get stuff done yeah, it's like what art school should have been, but wasn't, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's... I had friends who would call it, like, the honeycomb hideout and stuff like that, and, like, it was it was just, like, so many people with, like, different backgrounds, but a common interest in print a lot. And then also just, like, some weird ideas or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, like, do I mean, you do you miss that at all? That era. I miss that era, um, and I definitely. I mean, like, I miss 
I think I miss Philly and like some people that are still there to some degree, but um, I also don't know if like, if I was there and it was still the same people that were there that at this point I would have the energy to like interact with that many people on a daily like basis. Right. It's pretty wild in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. And then like, I feel like also there would be times when there would be nobody there and it was just this giant space that was cold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it's about the space. That architecture was just crazy. That building was insane at so Did many levels. Did you ever levels. go in the, um, the vault? Yeah, I think Alex Luke has showed me that one day. <laughs> that was, was gnarly. Yeah. You know what's funny is like we're talking about it like Space 1026 doesn't exist, but I'm pretty sure it does, but not in the same it, place. It, yeah, it does in a different building. Um, and I believe that they own the building that they're in now. Gotcha, which is gotcha. amazing. Like, I think that's really cool to, that they were able to find a space and like have it be like the space's space. For sure. And it looks it looks really cool. Like it looks like it's multi levels and like they have a garden and stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's, like, that's kind of the pivot point, because that's where I met okay. you. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you from, would you say, South Carolina? No. Um, I was, I grew up, like, right outside of Atlanta for, through, like, the end of elementary school. And then my family moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. And I, like went like to the rest of of like required school um finished high school and like i went to savannah college of an art uh, of art and design for a minute mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Scared. but yeah um it i like quickly like in the first quarter realized that it was not what i needed to be doing at the time and i went back and like cooked pizza and delivered it sometimes and ran a record store with, with friends that had started it and like played in some bands and stuff. Um, and then moved to South Carolina to go to like a liberal arts college, kind of just on a whim. And was this an obvious, like from a young age or was this a skateboard entry into art or from a young age, were you drawn? Oh, I, I, my mom has drawings that like, I couldn't remember doing, but I remember like the first drawing I remember doing was like a crying dinosaur in the first spelling test that I had that I failed like miserably. Nice. <laughs> um, and that also like, I, I think like was, it showed me like that I, there was something there because like my parents were more interested in the drawing than they were in like the fact that I had done so poorly on the test. That's cool. Yeah. All right, so it's um, from a young age you were drawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. And, yeah, I mean, I think I've always kind of, like, tended to, like, a rougher drawing or something. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember you had me making a prison shank. That's, like, the first thing I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, That's the... awesome. Um, that was, like... That was funny because it got, I don't know, it, like people were really excited about that for a while. And I 
I like did the first ones of those like on a whim in in graduate school and just was using like old um I think zinc etching plates and just using like the the plate cutter to cut them into blade shapes and then wrapping a t-shirt handle around them. Mm-hmm. And um like I've always kind of like tended to do that. Like, you know, a little like when you're a little kid, you pick up like sticks and pretend that they're swords or guns or whatever. And I think like that stuff tied in because somebody described like the way I make stuff as like figuring out how to do it bootleg all the time. Right. Which I think that's fair. Yeah, the skulls kind of remind me of that. Just like, uh, I don't know how to word it. I guess DIY is the lamest way to word it, but it's just like <laughs> kind of rougher, more rugged approach. Yeah. Um, I I definitely like taught myself to do the carving of the skulls. Um, so I probably making a lot of mistakes that if I would like learn it instead of just teach myself, um, it might go a lot better, but it, it, I don't know. It's like, I can't call myself a folk artist or like sure any of that, but that I like, I was exposed, exposed to like Howard Finster, like at a very early age. And I think that had a lot of impact on it. Hmm. Um, you know that dude? No, Howard Finster. Yeah, he was a like visionary Southern like minister. I don't remember what kind of like oh yeah Christianity. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It does like plywood stuff cut out in shapes and yeah, it's wild. Like, yeah, it's pretty like weird. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff just like around where I grew up. And I think it just rubs off on you. I don't know. Like I like, like the face jug ceramics and stuff that, um, is from like the South. Right, right, right. Did Barry McGee do some shit like that too? Some kind of jug face thing or something. I can't recall. I think he would like paint onto like bottles and stuff. Oh, but you're saying an actual jug with a face. Yeah. They're, um, they're like ceramic, like kind of like moonshine jugs or whatever, but have like a face made onto them, like pretty crudely. Oh, that's nice. They're rad. Yeah, I remember you were drawing a lot of skulls, right? Like just doodling yeah. skulls for a while there. Yeah, like doodling or like drawing on found paper with different colored ballpoint pen, mostly. And yeah, and I guess I like would do a lot of really quick ones that were like sharpies or like one line kind of drawings. Is it safe to say like you kind of find the careerism of art boring? Like you're not interested in like this kind of uh, button down kind of like assembly line production for galleries and whatnot? Seems like you don't like fucking around like that. (laughs) No. Have you tried? Think, Was there ever a phase where you even entertained that? Yeah, I mean, I've I've like done shows in in like 
galleries and been in like kind of bigger name like commercial galleries like in group shows and stuff but it it doesn't appeal to me like i i like have quit drinking since going to a lot of art events Mm -hmm. um and i think that i was like a lot of that was because i get like really bad like anxiety and being around people is not like large groups and stuff just not my jam really right right understandable and yeah i think there's like the business aspect of art like i'm not like that stoked on sure sure (laughs) so you are you are you still art handling in the no 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 i that ended uh and i'm fine with it so how do you uh i see you do i don't know if i pronounce this word right reiki reiki no reiki reiki Reiki. yeah yeah is is that that a is that your job in a sense i i do that and i've been actually having more success selling these carvings nice um than i ever did selling like prints or one-of-a-kind art pieces so like that's supplementing some stuff how did this reiki thing happen um kind of like towards the end of my art handling career i started i just got interested in i went to see like someone who does like reiki and like readings and like healing work and stuff like that um and it got like she she gives you like homework to do basically Hmm. and i was like i've always dealt with depression and i was in like not a great place at the time when i when i went to do that and it helped like shift some stuff for me and i mean i was going to therapy and shit too and like being medicated but like i don't know it i think it just like taught me more compassion and stuff like that really Um, was was it difficult did you have like the philly bullshit alarm going off initially when it came to that or were you open to that kind of stuff pretty quick um because i feel like there can be an east coast um no i skepticism I i grew up with like um presbyterian ministers for parents Really? So like I I like got I don't know I've lost my religion or whatever in my like early teens when my parents were getting divorced and I was just kind of like calling bullshit on everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and I mean honestly I, I was probably like in my late 30s early 40s when I got exposed to like the Reiki stuff and I had like friends who were much more spiritual than I, um, and they just seemed to have like, uh, like common or something about them that I, I kind of like was like, there has to be something to this. Right. And, um, I mean, I think a lot of it's like breathing and learning how to relax and stuff like that honestly but there is like 
something magic to like call on higher powers, whether they're real or just like a thing that brings you kind of like a boost of power for yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, like um, having you said Presbyterian, yeah. So, were you always drawing such dark imagery, and were they confused by that? Because <laughs> it sounds like they were supportive at the same time. Uh, I mean, they were, they were supportive. Like, my dad was super supportive. I think my mom wanted me to draw nicer stuff, probably. But she, she did like always support me, like as far as like pursuing art. Um, I think she would have preferred if I pursued graphic design because hmm. somehow she, she thinks that that's a more successful business. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was funny because my, my parents like were not about to let me wear like shirts with bad words on them or anything like that. Of course. Um, and then... I think they kind of just didn't know what to do with whatever art I was making. Like they could see that it was like, took like s- some skill and talent, but also we're just like, Oh, it's weird monsters and things. Um, yeah. I think it's pretty natural coming out of a Christian upbringing. Yeah. It's kind of where I was at. You know, I mean, just... I, yeah, I, when I was like in, in like middle school or high school, I was drawing like devils and shit in the Sunday school books. Right. And like people would tell me like when a guest came and got my book, like you could tell by their face of like revolt at the stuff that I had drawn in there. Yeah. It's just, it's just an aesthetically appealing thing to a young boy. Yeah. It's just a logical place to end up. But also like, it seems like a current through all your work with the death, uh, focus with the skulls and the you know there's like a weird yeah it's not really like heavy work you know there's a kind of humor to it at least in my eyes but it's also like dark subject matter on the surface yeah i mean i think i think the like meaning of of skulls have changed a lot to me especially in like the past say five six years like it's become more of like a thing you like used to recognize ancestors and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and like there, I think there is like maybe some dark humor to it. Um, and like I've written down several times memento moron, like sure. The, the Latin <laughs> phrase, except yeah, yeah. just remember you're stupid. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I don't really, I don't think it's like even that dark at all, but of course not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something about, like even your early work with the woodcuts, mm-hmm. they're just like, uh, they're kind of harmless, I don't know what to call them, demon, demon dudes. <laughs> they, never struck, I, they never struck me as truly disturbed uh, images, you know? Yeah, no, I I think I more made like kind of like protectors of like yeah myself or whatever. <laughs> like if I can fill the world with like these tough images, like then nobody will fuck with me because they think I'm that tough. For I don't know. 
Do you still do the woodblock uh, carving? Um, I had like a good burst of it during like the early days of the pandemic. And I was doing more like almost like political cartoons of, mm-hmm. of stuff about like our neighborhood, which is like fighting gentrification and, and like developers and stuff like that. What um, neighborhood is that? It's Lincoln Heights. It's like the first Los Angeles neighborhood. Ever? Yeah. Yeah, it was originally called East LA. But like the, um, you know, the Zoot Suit Riots? I certainly know the song. Okay. But I, I, I so feel the, song, the song is yeah. about um, there's a, a gang in the neighborhood called Clover. Okay. Or like Clover Street. And um, they were the like zoot suit rioters and there's a like i don't think it's a naval academy anymore but there used to be a naval academy close by and the soldiers were trying to come like over the bridge into the neighborhood to like beat up locals and the locals like fought off the the sailors or whatever and then when all the guys got arrested their girlfriends started beating up the sailors Nice. I'm looking into that. I never heard of yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I know the song again. I don't even know who that's right. By. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Shit. I want to say I Real Big Fish, but I, I really don't think it's Real Big Fish. I think it's like Cherry Poppin' Daddies or something. <laughs> Cherry Poppin' Daddies? You're, yeah, think... you're completely right. That's an amazing name. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name. <laughs> I'm maybe a little embarrassed that I knew that specifically, but. <laughs> So that's that neighborhood where that occurred. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know. That's the funny thing about Los Angeles is like, I did not really know much history when I moved here. Of course. Um, and have, it, it was cool. Cause I like a while after being here, I would like be watching movies and be like, Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. And, and like, I think that got me like more interested in finding out like what buildings were and stuff like that. And there's like tons of history in a very short amount of time in this, this city, you know, it's very young. Yeah. And like the, there were like three neighborhoods where Dodger stadium is now that got destroyed to make Dodger stadium. And and they were more like indigenous folks that were living there, um, and it's it's funny. Like my mom was talking to me about she and her friend went to see the new Indiana Jones movie, and I guess there's like a scene with a like parade with astronauts when they first came back from the moon. Uh-huh. Um, and my mom actually was at that when she was a kid, and she was like, the movie was wrong. They had them in a convertible. That's not right. They were on a truck <laughs> and like telling me all the like stuff they had gotten wrong. It's like, I don't know what to tell you, mom. Like it's a, it's a movie and they needed to take creative license probably. And she's like, they could have watched like one video of it. And it was, what, it what was is like, this, what is this Indiana Jones movie called again? I don't even know. It's yeah. the like one that's out right now that 
is the last one ever, I think. Yeah, I'm sure they've said that before. <laughs> I haven't watched that Crystal Skull one, and I kind of feel like I should. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, Billy Crystal but, Skulls, so you got to watch that. Yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful name there for the taking. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, like, based on a true story, sort of. Like, it's based on an actual crystal skull that is, is like, in a collection somewhere. Well, what do you mean? What, does this crystal skull, it just exists, right? Someone made a crystal skull at some point? Yeah, um, this it's, like, disputed if it's actually ancient or not, but it was discovered at ruins in, like, South America. I want to say Mexico, but I'm not totally sure. Um or it was it was discovered by a a guy or um who was an explorer or his daughter found it. Um but then there's some speculation that like a German counterfeiter actually made the skull and sold it as an artifact. I love and, that like, idea. It's it's like a really confusing there's like I've started reading like books about crystal skulls and gotten into some of the history. And I kind of like love that that's, there's like such dispute over some of them. Yeah. Or this idea of like just counterfeiting shit like that at that, in that era. Oh yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like there was a lot of that because you could get it done really pretty cheap and like, it's not that hard to make something look old. I mean, back then, I don't even know how they were verifying things. Yeah. They probably had no way. If you threw some mud on it, it was ancient. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the process with the skulls? I see you have this little tool. Yeah. What is, what I, is I, that? It's, a, it's like a rotary tool. Like a, it's a big like boy a Dremel? Tool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it has like a much stronger motor and is... It's just better made. Um, I need to invest in some tabletop saws because my body is not real happy with me using my wrists in the way that I have been. Right. Um, but yeah, like I think that's been the toughest part of like learning this stuff is figuring out how to do it. Cause I, I did use a Dremel for like, I don't know, six months or something before I, broke down and bought a new thing but like i blew through the dremel flex shafts like i think i went through like three or four of those and so you you kind of sketch on the rock that you just find in your general meanderings and then you just work it up with the with the tool um some of them are found in just general meanderings and then some of them are i buy at wholesalers um but like yeah I, crystal shops yeah, yeah, but but like, where crystal shops go to buy their crystals, um, it's just cheaper that way. <laughs> to be honest. All right, so now I'm seeing the the bull and the reiki. Mm -hmm. There's some connection there, right? Oh yeah, totally. Like I, I actually like when I decided that this was what I wanted to do was like. I'm going to tell my wife this and she's going to be like, Oh great. You've got another fucking idea about how to make something. 
but she was like, oh, that, what you're telling me makes total sense. You should definitely do that, which is like what you want to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, I do think it like, it definitely makes a lot of sense because I have a pretty like extensive knowledge of crystals and the properties attributed to them at this point. And I mean, like, I've done so much with skulls already, and now it's like, I don't know. I think the carving them is totally a natural progression, and it, like, it feels like the most honest stuff I've ever made, probably, to me. What do you mean by honest? Um, just not, like... It's not like I do it at all for anybody else. Like, I don't think about, like, who's going to be a consumer. Right. Because I think, I think like, that's where my head was at, like, for a long time. Of like, oh, you know, like, make stuff to, like, make a name for myself. And, like, I have no interest in that anymore, really. Now, how old do you know? 45. So how long do you think it took to make work... That felt no. I think it's pretty normal, but like, yeah, I I think it's important to point out for people who are just starting that it can take like a decade. It could take two decades to get to a place where the work feels honest and you actually like it and you like making it, and it's a very holistic process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely I I think that there's like it it is more of like a practice like. Like it's an art practice, but also a spiritual practice or whatever. And, and there is like, like holistic qualities to it. Um, and that's kind of like another thing that excites me about making these is like, there are people buying them to like use in their practices whether it's like meditating with them or setting up crystal grids and stuff. Well, what's a crystal grid? Oh, is that what you have some images of on your Instagram? Yeah, yeah, like just arrangements of crystals for whatever purposes. And there's a methodology there, or it's it's like an aesthetic arrangement. Um, it's kind of both. I mean, like certain stones will have like different properties assigned to them, and a lot of it has to do with like chakras and stuff so like the, the stones will be divided up into like the different colors gotcha. and then like the colors correspond with chakras um you know as you're talking about it, i'm trying to understand how how deep you go into all this shit like uh, the auras the chakras the like i mean uh, are you full in or do you feel like you're still exploring or do you feel like you're on the outside of these things or is no i mean i i feel i think like my hesitancy is like that a lot of people don't understand that that stuff and kind of just like write it off very quickly and like chakras i feel like that makes sense to me but i don't always like I don't feel them inside of me all the time or anything, um, like not consciously. And yeah. 
but I've always been like super sensitive to other people's energy. Um, so I think there's fucking something to that. Like sensitive like, in a good and bad way. Like just uh, like, yeah, like yeah, absorbing I, it and yeah, absorbing it. And yeah, like almost like processing it for other people. Probably mm. I've like definitely learned to turn a lot of that off. Um, yeah, it's kind of odd. Like, like you want to be able to control it, I guess. You don't want it to be turned off all the time or on all the time, but it sounds like maybe you were on all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think I also just like in whatever like um whatever issues that have come up for me in my life uh that like finding this this way to like understand a lot of it a, lot, a little better and feel like I'm taking control of it, mm-hmm. which might be me being a little bit of a hermit, but, um, you, are you hermetic in general? You just hang out at home? I, yeah, pretty much at this point. I mean, I, we go out and do activities, but I've given my druthers probably stay at home. Right. I mean, at 45, <laughs> you've kind of seen the what hedonism can give you. It's like, yeah. It's yeah, not much. I'm pretty happy to hang out with my cats, my wife. Um, and like, from my workspace, I have a little like Home Depot shed that the owners of the property like put drywall up in and stuff. So it's like a little studio to work in. And nice. we've got a garden and like, so it's mostly like hanging out outside almost in the shade oh yeah i mean i like it very <laughs> very beautiful yeah it can also it's being a little hot right now which i sure think sure kind of a common thing new jersey's same shit right now um but was this stuff like inside of you early on you know like when i met you were you even aware of these kind of crystal reiki um this kind of thing or did that come to you in california definitely came to me in California. Like I, I think like when I was a lot younger, I could see like auras and stuff a little bit and just didn't understand what it was. What does that mean? And the like aura? colors? Yeah. I'm yeah not actually, I yeah. actually don't, I don't know that much about this so, kind of stuff. Yeah. So auras are like the like energy that's around you. I, it could be like magnetic fields or whatever. Um, there's a way to photograph it that involves like putting your hands on some plates. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think those pick it up. I don't really understand how that happens, but yeah, like so. Sometimes I can I can see an aura on a person or or animal or whatever, just like relaxing my eyes, and it's not like a big like flame coming off the top of their head or anything. It's just like a little color around them. That's very faint. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would, I would see like figures. I want to guess that they were ghosts or something. Um, but like figures that looked like TV static, but were a bunch of colors. You saw this when you were young. Yeah. Like playing playing in the front yard by myself kind of stuff. Interesting. 
Yeah. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know. Like I have, I think I'm pretty skeptical of like a lot of faith stuff, but my, my dad was like an ordained Presbyterian minister, but like interested in like anybody's faith. And there was like a while when he was going to like Sufi mysticism meetings and when he lived in Nashville. And it was like, I think just like my dad's interest in all of that, like was coming from like this very gentle place. Yeah. Um, That I don't, I don't, I don't see that many people that are like really in there or like, I don't think that many people are really in their faith of like the tenets of most organized religions, but like, I think yeah, like yeah. that, that was like what interested my dad. And he would like be like, it's all about God's love. And like, that's a pretty simple like explanation of, of like things being good. But like, I think like, having love in your life is usually like a positive thing and like whatever comforts you, that's cool. Yeah. I think what I see, the, the issue I see is kind of like weaponized answers where, and this is beyond religion to me. It's all sorts of oh. things, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of esoteric Christianity that emphasizes the deep mystery of life. And right. I think somewhere probably at the beginning of industrialization, like that kind of mystery Mm -hmm. was becoming just eradicated. Like that spirit was just slowly being crushed by a kind of mechanical, you know, way of thinking and approaching things. So the answer outweighed the question there. Mm -hmm. And that's a, for art, that's a problem too. You know, I find a lot of art now is like, it's like trying to tell me, an answer or a way to think, or it's kind of this like one-to-one interaction where I'm much more interested in like <laughs> divergent art where it's like, like even the skulls, yeah. the skulls are just intrinsically interesting. And I, I think when you're younger, people shy away from like some of the easier images because they want to prove something, which I think is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But definitely. when you refine yourself over decades, I think you can reapproach fundamental images like the skull and you yeah. can unearth like a deep fundamental complexity because each skull is quite different. They all have character. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They're very attractive. Um, yeah. I think, I think that that is something that also appealed to me about like a lot of the learning about the crystals and, and like, and magic stuff, honestly, like, um, it, it is kind of chasing that mystery without answers really, or like you're trying to find answers to like existence or whatever, or just, I mean, I think a lot of what we forget is like basic life stuff, like being happy and appreciating what we have. Sure. Yeah. Gratitude is uh... Yeah, you know, it's, it I mean, sounds sounds cheesy, and it's actually like maybe you went through this process as well. Almost aesthetically, you resist truths that aren't that cool sounding, 
but like gratitude, like when you're younger, but gratitude is such a simple concept and dramatically changes. Uh, it can change your entire life, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it sounds so lame that I think artists, sometimes they get caught up in like the coolest, sexiest ideas that are often wrong. I, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think like what, what doesn't interest me about a lot of the art world or, or whatever. I mean, like, I don't want to like call people's names out or anything like that, but sure. I, you I think there, there's like such, and it, this is like, I think a product of capitalism, like there's such an emphasis on like building your brand and your like style and making this thing that is like becomes formulaic. And like, I don't know where the fucking fun in that is. Like, I can do like paintings of the same thing for a while, or like you know, sure, make make, but like, I don't know. I I just don't, I feel like the imagery that I'm I'm messing with doesn't have like a gimmick to it, and maybe that it does really because it's such a universal thing for humans like, oh i don't think that's a that's not a gimmick it's just a fundamental archetype or symbol you know i think there's a distinction yeah yeah and i would agree that you be, in life you get paid to simplify yourself enough that others can understand your role within a system and so that's the trade-off almost always you know if, yeah. if investors want a non-volatile investment so if you make paintings that look different uh right. two years ago and then you know it keeps changing they're gonna be like well, i invested in this insane essentially company that i don't even know what it's doing anymore so uh, <laughs> i think the the true path for me at least is like there's paths to maturity that are simplifying your persona yeah. but they're not in the service of oh let me place you within this cog-like system that gives you a certain predictability for me to exploit. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of the stuff that is like commercially viable and successful is these monuments to like, mod, like modern, like mediocrity. Sure. Like middle-class luxury that is like just a like superficial comfort of some sort. And well, but, like, but at the same time, it seems like you've, you've found a market, quote-unquote, for the skulls, but it's more organically emerging, and it's probably not art investors. It's probably people who are more directly connected to the thing and to you, at least in what you're interested in, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a – it's – of what I know, there's, like, a much smaller pool of people that are carving crystal skulls um, than most stuff. Like I've I've been able to like find a handful of other people that are like constantly making skulls. And I think there's something about that that's like refreshing to me that it's just not as like there's also skulls that are fucking put into like a water jet thing or something and that cut yeah, them yeah, to, yeah. like and you know, they're cool. They don't feel like alive in the same way to me. Of course. 
Um, I'm kind of curious. Do those people come at it from an art background like you, or are they like, are they coming at it from uh, a crystal? Angle? I think it's it's more from the like crystal and like healing or spiritual world. Um, but like, I also like can see a little bit of this sort of like collect like art collector. It's like, it's like that mentality of collecting, but it's almost more wholesome because like it is being tied into like empowering yourself or making yourself feel some. Well, yeah. I mean, even if they're putting it in these grids, I think you called it. Yeah. There's this life beyond a lot of art just dies once it's finished and then it's yeah you know it's put in a casket when it's bought by the investor and it just right. moves around but you know that at least the lifespan of the thing continues beyond that that moment in which you claim it's finished you know yeah i think i think that's what's attractive to me about this like this specific work too and like i think with the like making the shanks and stuff that was there too because there was like a I think those were almost more of like a fetishization of this like almost survival mentality of just like finding whatever and making a weapon out of it. Um, and I feel like this is just like kind of a matured thing, but like to me, it's always most exciting when you're making it and then like I like the fact that somebody's handling it and not even if it does mostly sit on the shelf, but like somebody takes it off once in a while and looks at it. Right. That's cool to me. And like I think that's the like sterility of museums has never been my favorite thing. Oh, that's understandable. Um, yeah. Do you see where the trajectory goes beyond the skulls? Like, do you um, want to make big-ass skulls, or do you like the intimacy of the kind of palm-sized skull? Is there, like, an ambition that you see beyond it? I think I would like to do larger stuff. Just a um, huge-ass skull? Yeah, I think that would be pretty rad. There's, that would be cool, yeah. There's a father and son um, that are both carvers in Brazil. And the father has been carving for like 40 years or something like that. Um, and I'm very like stoked on both of their work. And there's a part of me that wants to go like, you guys are masters. Can I hang out with you for a while? Yeah. What are they called? Can they be found online? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the father is named Leandro de Souza, And his son is Igor. Nice. I mean, they're like definitely on on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah, I think it's that would be cool, like a yeah, mentorship. I, yeah, and I think there's like something of that appeals like that to me in a lot of the kind of like art making that I've done too is the like craft aspect of it and the. I think the whole like master printer when you go to 
grad school is kind of a fucking silly idea because unless you go to somewhere that's very technical and you're really good at that aspect of printing, I don't know that like a master's degree makes a master in any way. Oh no. Um, but well, like, these these schools are wild. They're very alien. Those guys have minds of their own, and yeah, that creeps, has, creeps me out. Yeah, they're pretty like pretty wild. The hell? <laughs> do you have us like? Do you ever develop narratives around the schools, names, etc.? I don't. I mean, there's. There are people that, like, sell skulls that will, like, name them before they get, like, go to a collector or or skull guardian or whatever. Um, I kind of, like, feel like it's the user's responsibility to find out the name of their skull. Hmm. So you don't, you don't really develop an attachment? I... Honestly, like if I, I think that's something I've struggled with in the past of like becoming very attached to stuff yeah. and, and like, I have so many fucking crystals like in my collection that it's ridiculous. So like, I'm really trying not to get connected to any of these. I mean, I think that makes sense too, based on everything you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, since I'm, like, collecting other people's work, I'm, like, I should, I should, like, be putting mine out into the world for other people to, like, have or work with or whatever. So, are you, like, working on these schools every day, or what's that look like? Um, as, yeah, uh, almost every day. I'm... Getting older, discovering all the shit that I did when I was younger is coming back to fuck me up a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> well, see, when you're, when you're a young man uh-huh. and you drink a lot of beers and then fall down staircases okay. and, and do a lot of screen printing um, on your own and like on the clock for somebody else... So there's a lot of wear and tear there. And then art handling also has some of that um, wear and tear on the body. And I'm just like, I I like laugh at myself now because when I was in my 20s, like the people who taught me screen printing, I would give them a hard time because they were in their 40s and like their bodies were, you know, in pain or whatever. Right. And I'd just be like, ah, oh, you fucking old person. And now it's karma coming back to get me, I guess. So you try to to carve these skulls daily, but sometimes it's painful. Yeah, yeah. My um, my back hurts a lot from it. Like that's why I'm looking at other um, equipment to do it with. Would you want to get to a place where, like, I'm looking at these skulls from this other dude, D'Souza, and they're they're pretty expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But would you be cautious about having that be your main source of income, the schools? No, I'd be I'd be fine with it. Um, like you're ready, you're 
you're uh, yeah once you're mentally ready i think yeah the the monetization or commodification doesn't usually kind of affect the way you make the work yeah i think that there's like i don't know it's it is like very stream of conscious carving i guess like i know i'm going into it to make a skull right sometimes i'll draw some stuff on there like teeth are especially helpful to draw because i like them to be spaced somewhat properly mm -hmm. um but it it is like also just like going in and kind of like sitting and looking at the rock to find like where to make cuts to turn it into what i want it to be i assume you like, like the kind of uh variability of each rock and crystal like it kind yeah. of talks back yeah definitely and and like it's i i like one time went to a japanese wood carving like almost like whittling wood carving uh workshop this guy was teaching and he was pretty much just like yeah listen to the piece of wood and it'll show you what to do and right. all of them like everybody's stuff basically came out like pretty soft and, and round, but they were all very different. Um, and I kind of, I think I kind of approached the like skull carving with the rocks in a similar way of, of listening to the rock and like finding the shapes. Some of them are super obvious and like some of them I'm, I'll have a rock sitting around for like, a couple weeks and then just one day i'm like oh this is cut right there and then the eyes go over here yeah it's very different than sitting down to a piece of paper that's the same every time right yeah which is like pure i wouldn't say it's pure psych psychology emptying out into the page but it's a more one direction activity of making like i've been doing more woodworking as as you mentioned there and it's like it requires you to acknowledge the character of the medium where yeah. I don't think printmaking or drawing is quite the same, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think printmaking is like very almost production oriented. I mean, like having sure. multiples is the, is the idea there. And then like, I think, I think the drawing's a funny one because I, I still like sit down with a pen and paper or like pencil or whatever and we'll like do some drawing and stuff like that, but it's just not like the focus, but it can be such a like, I guess like, yeah, the mind dumping out onto the page and, and like, it's funny because I've always looked at, at drawing as like building up like a world that you're like have control over to some degree. Um, and I feel like the process of carving, especially like these rocks into skulls is like more freeing it from whatever it's trapped in sort of. Right. Process of discovery rather than creation. Yeah. That makes sense. You're finding it inside of the stone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think drawing I, feels that way often. No, I think it... 
it's funny to me because like sometimes drawing is so fucking good and like <laughs> you know exactly what you're doing and then other times it feels like i don't know you have hams for hands yeah yeah drawing is beautiful uh i've come to view it much more as a process of thinking like a visualized yeah. process of thinking in the service of other things um as opposed to an end to itself but i, I yeah mean, i'm still i forget when i don't draw for a bit like oh wow this is amazing yeah it's a funny feeling yeah it's just, so, yeah there's like sometimes i'll i'll sit down and draw something and be like holy shit i didn't know i could do that right 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 <laughs> and it's like of course i can do that but like i didn't think i had this other like mark baking ability in me sometimes yeah it's a great thing to come back to yeah are you carving are you going to carve stones today um i did a little bit before we got on the phone and i may go back and do more um i also may just like get on the foam roller and roll my back out oh so it's like that <laughs> yeah i like Right now, the my thumb tip in my left hand is, I don't know, it's kind of numb. Like, I've been going to see this massage therapist that's, like, super helpful with with that problem. Um, Can you Reiki a back? Yeah, I mean, I should self-Reiki all the time, and I don't. But <laughs> You can self-Reiki? Yeah. That's not against the rules? No. Is, I mean, it, is it as effective as, as another person raking you? I don't think so because I don't think, I think the fact that you're like sitting there and, and like putting your hands in the positions and stuff you don't get is like relaxed. And like, I feel, I feel the effects more when somebody else does it for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I should do it because like when I, I, when I was learning, I did like, a, like one of the requirements of our teacher was like, do like an hour for yourself every day. And then like write down the real, like the stuff that you like, that comes up for you while you're doing it. And I think that like, I was, I like never fucking ripped shit down at all when I like before and I don't do it regularly now, but like when you do it, it is such a good like discovery of, <laughs> of self and like of what's going on with you. Yeah, for sure. And I think like a lot of like doing Reiki on yourself is, is almost like meditation. The difference being that you're like, Basically, like when someone is is running Reiki, they're like a conduit for the energy to come through. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't like you don't get like exhausted afterwards, which is nice. You're just kind of letting it work through you, and it. I guess it it knows where to go. Like it knows where it's needed. You you do all the different positions, but it finds its way to where like healing needs to happen 
So can people contact you for for remote Reiki? Yeah, um, through Instagram at this time. Right. But yeah, I I um, I I have a few people that are like pretty steady clients, and I haven't focused on the animal aspect of it as much lately but like i had a very good run of working with animals and i probably should pursue that a little more i think i just want to carve all the time instead of anything else oh that's cool so that's like that's the main thing you're you're thinking about and doing yeah yeah i think pretty much yeah no right on so how many skulls you think you go through a month um not to get too uh, industrial. I think it. I think it depends on what size I'm doing. Because I've done some like smaller, probably like one inch by one inch by one inch kind of size, um, or you know, probably variations on that dimension, but close. And I've done like two or three of those in a day. But it, it also really depends on what material I'm cutting. Like the softness? Yeah, the like the softness or hardness and then like also the um a lot of minerals have different kinds of like fracture or cleavage mm. that they'll do. Like just it's basically like the shapes that make up the structure of the rock. Um but like calcite will break off into like three dimensional rhombus shapes pretty much. Um, and like, you'll see, like, you see that when like, you just see a rock out in the world. Um, I think probably the more you're into rocks, the more you think about it too. Do you ever give up on a skull? Like if it breaks in a certain way or oh, do you, yeah. you do? Yeah. Um, like they're irredeemable skulls out there. Yeah. School, school graveyard. Oh, yeah, there's not, I tr I really try not to give up, but, like, if I'm cutting something and the bottom jaw breaks off, like, and it <laughs> needs to have a bottom jaw, it's just shit out of luck. And I've had stuff, like, just kind of, like, fracturing in my hands. But it's, like, it's not, it's not that common, but it's, like, super frustrating when it happens. And, like, I, my I came in like the other day after having like a tough time of getting anything carved satisfactorily. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I'm in a fucking rotten mood. And I tried to carve and it's not a good idea because everything I touched was just like, no, you're not, you're not doing a good job today and you don't need to do this. Was that, did that manifest as like disintegrating skulls or just you weren't hitting the mark like aesthetically? A little of both. Yeah, because it's mean, kind of like, I know it's like bi-directional. It's not like because you honor the material, you give up on your will and your desire to have a certain outcome, but it's participating back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think failure is important, too. Yeah, like, it's just a pistons. It's just two pistons going yeah. back and forth, yeah. I mean, I'll also get, like, frustrated when I'm not cutting, like, the way it, or, like, I'm not 
getting the result that I want. And then I'll just be like, well, I'm not, I'm giving up on this because it's not coming out and I'm just too frustrated to deal with it. And I usually try and cut those down into smaller stuff. Just right. not like waste the material if I can. Yeah, it's no, also, I, go ahead. I, um, I'm like, I have a bucket or like a tray underneath where I carve that collects the water because you have to cool the blade while you're cutting. Um, and it also gets all the sediment from like all the cutting and stuff that breaks off. And it's, I don't know what to do with it, but I want to see if I can like get it to be a stable thing that I can like then polish. Yeah, I think that, that can be seen in your videos, right? It's like where the all that. Yeah. Yeah, I see that there. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that would be real, like, rad. There's a couple of things um, that are man-made crystals, sort of, that are, one's called Fordite, and it's um, built up layers of automotive paint. Oh. You can, like, you know, you can cut that, and you'll have different colors on different levels. Um, yeah, I know about that from this documentary called Man versus Ford about New Jersey in which Ford was just dumping um, automotive paint and it was like these oh, crate crazy. crate and kids would like eat it and shit. Yeah. And uh, it was this like, yeah, amazing it's like layering. That'd be, that'd be super cool to see. Um, yeah, there's, there's that. And then um, from the surfboard industry, there's stuff called Surfite. That is like the the uh, fiberglass resin, like off the floor or whatever, where it's dripped off of stuff and hmm. built up in layers. Like people will will cut that into jewelry and stuff. Fascinating. It's it's pretty funny to me. Like the man-made uh, gems are are a lot of entertainment. You know, it reminds me, I watched this video of, like, compressed uh, flip-flops that are carved into these crazy sculptures in, in I think, somewhere in Africa. Uh-huh. And there's just so many flip-flops thrown out on the beach that they just collect them and, like, compress them into these this material that they can quickly and easily cut. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely worth checking out because that's an interesting angle, too, like what you're mentioning, the, you know, the supernatural crystal angle and then the kind of uh i think recycling can often be lame like aesthetically but that actually sounds visually really cool (laughs) yeah well i mean i think trying to like figure out like what you can do with the the leftovers or whatever is like an important thing to do oh totally i just i just admit that like woodworking when it's just like found shit can often kind of have this feel this look that is it's really hard to pull off in a i think in a good way but it's certainly a noble noble endeavor no doubt there was a um like i think this teacher only taught 3d design at the college that i went to in south carolina Mm -hmm. and and he did a lot of like really nice hardwood woodworking and then would have these installations where he had like kept all the sawdust separate and and had it by like the different kind of wood that he was using 
and make almost like topographical maps of like mountain ranges and stuff out of different colors of sawdust. <laughs> just like on the yeah, floor in the gallery. It's red. It was red. I was always into that because I was just like, oh, you're, you're totally just putting trash out. That's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I got to run because I got a screen of film. But, oh, uh, right on. Very good talking to you. I'm glad to hear you're in a good place. Yeah, man. Thank you. You too. All right, man. All right. Super good talking to you, man. Later. Peace. Peace. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next up, we have the musician Charlie Looker. Look out. Look out.